Welcome to the inaugural episode of the Iron Mind Aaron podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Newman. This is a no bullshit podcast dedicated to the lessons I've learned from the trials and tribulations of a life of a father, a business owner, and a strength coach. I've been drinking on driving while texting the speed and I swear that I ain't going home. You hold my phone and won't leave me alone. I'm blank Siva, blank Coca Patron. I'm on Coca Patron. With me is a close friend, Yatin Ketty. Yatin, say what's up. How's it going, guys? He's way more uh, energetic than this, and you'll see that. So today we wanted to look into the stories that define us, right? So we look back, and we all have this image or idea or kind of like a, a version of our own identity that gets shaped throughout the course of a lifetime. And the story, as we were going to call it, shifts from time to time. So we look at the story that I've had as a child and that Yatin has a, as a child and the development and how we look off and veer off into potential careers. And really, we look into our potential, I don't know, our pathways. So. You know, we very different backgrounds uh, in the cool thing, the dynamic between it and the stories that we have. And really what I look at when we look at our stories is on the other side of it, how long do our stories serve us? So, yeah, what do you think about stories? Yeah, you know, I think uh, our stories, our experiences um, pretty much define us. They shape us, right? They shape our they shape our thoughts. They shape our judgment. They shape our behavior. And, um, you know, I think uh, sometimes people have misjudgments um, from lack of experience from things, too. So we were sitting here waiting for the setup of this. And we had, man, shit, we've talked probably 45 minutes just bullshitting back and forth. And a cool story about your wife came up. You want to share that? Yeah. Yeah. A story about uh, when we went to the store. Yeah. Yeah, so explain explain the the difference between I, I guess uh, how you you both grew up. Yeah, so it's uh, you know I grew up. Um, I look back now. I never thought about it back then, but I grew up in a wealthy family. Um, we were in a in a pretty rich. Well, I don't think we we discussed what what you do actually. Oh, so I'm a doctor. Doctor Doctor <laughs> McDreamy. I'm a doctor. Um, so I was kind of jumbled around here, but this is to, to understand how my mind works and the podcast is going to work. Is going to be free flow. Mm-hmm. So we're going to bounce around because, unfortunately, I'm, I'm an ADD motherfucker. And I'm like, da, 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 da. <laughs> but going into this, so Yatin, we work together, train, become a, a good friend. And, you know, somebody that I've really vibed with and clicked with. Like, so we have a lot of good, great conversations. And the cool thing about him is the ability, one, he's a doctor and such a different background. So we had this conversation. And now your wife is a doctor as well. She is a doctor. And, you know, so like I said, I was growing, I grew up, like I said, looking back in a, in a I guess, a, a wealthy family. My wife didn't, right? So she grew up in a very middle class family, low middle class, whatever you want to call it. Her dad, you know, worked his tail off uh, getting to where he got to. And uh, I remember one of, one of my first interactions with my wife, we were dating at the time, we went to the mall, and we ended up going to some high-end store. She's like, you know, I've never been to these, like, you know, like a Louis Vuitton store. I've never been to this. And... It's like, it's not a big deal. You go in there and you look around and you walk out. It's like, no, I can't go in there. You know, I can't go in there. I'm dressed like this. I'm not wearing a designer this. And, you know, so I said, no, we're going to go in there. You're going to look around. They're going to talk to you. We're going to walk out. And, you know, so I realize, you know, talking about experiences and life stories that the fact you couldn't go into that store is because of the fact of her background, right? From what, well, what, where she grew up. It wasn't her background, but it was, it was what she perceived. What she, yeah. her, the perception <clears throat> of her background and her 
you know, legitimizing, if that's a fucking word. I think it's a word. Uh, we're going to make it a word. But, it's a word. It's you a know, word. like her, her trying to validate validations yeah. probably like validate her being there or yeah. you know we look at that and you know you can go on with the story but it's it's crazy because i relate to that come from a working class background again parents provided worked their asses off but economically i always felt that we were slightly behind and honestly we look at comparison anyway and you could legitimately compare yourself to anyone um we look at you being a doctor you know i'm, I'm a trainer or a business owner or whatever and i could go you know what we could compare ourselves to somebody else. Yeah. You know, we look at professional athletes. You know, I mean, I make zero <laughs> like negative percentages um, compared to what they make. So comparison is the thief of, of joy and happiness. But it, it's funny because that in a different way to look at it or a different frames, framework, that interaction with you guys going shopping to that, you know, Louis Vuitton store or whatever it was could have been like one of these like super happy moments mm -hmm. yeah. and instead it probably produced anxiety, stress and probably distress, all, all these things that popped up. And I remember every opportunity, like going to the mall and I even talked about this when I was traveling that going into some of these higher end stores, there is a set of, I don't know, like when I walk in with somebody, the greeters or the people that work there, like there's like inflated egos, like, mm -hmm. listen, like you work in a retail store yeah. and that's not shitting on anybody what they do. But if you're going to come off and give me an attitude because I'm trying to shop there or I may or may not like it's the judgment. Mm -hmm. It's a judgment. Yeah. So, you know, that that's kind of comes back to what I was like talking about earlier that, you know, a lot of times your experiences like define you. Right. And the the judge, the judgment that comes about is because we don't have a shared experience like your experience in life is different from my experience so when you interact with other people they're going to already have a prejudice or a judgment or a bias right so and you came back to like earlier like you know when you said you know that basically you go in there with a certain perception those people are working there with a certain perception right well, so it's, I it walk creates in, that i walk yeah, in and this right is me yeah. um, like i i think i've developed this hardened shell over the years so you you kind of roll into something and i'm like all right i kind of like fuck you like I've said this. We were joking around a bit earlier. I'm like, you think you're better than me? All right. And it's almost like, I don't know if it was from Goodfellas or like the, the Joe Pesci role. Like, oh, you, you think you're some kind of clown? Like, I that in my mind, for whatever reason, maybe it's the fact that I watched so many movies like that mm -hmm. growing up in, yeah. in the Italian lifestyle and all this stuff. But going into it, I'm like, all right, that's, that's my perception. I'm like, I'm going to toughen up. I'm going to puff up a little bit to protect myself mm -hmm. from anything that could be, you know, detrimental emotionally. Like if you're going to like rejection, right? Rejection, like you go in yeah. there, oh, you mm -hmm. can't shop here. Yeah. Oh, okay. What am yeah. I going to fucking yeah. sneak out? No, I'm not right. going to sneak out. But when I look at it, like in that same thing, mm -hmm. I, I think, look at it, you're confident you've been in these stores and like, yeah. and it, it's so fucked up that our society works this way, that there's a judgment and a perceived judgment going into a place where you're going to spend your money. Mm -hmm. This, when you take a step back and look at it, like, you know, us having a conversation about this is the first time how unreal it is. And the fact that I would go into that or your wife would go into that store and be like, and like these people are essentially working for you. Again, not a crack at them, mm -hmm. but like, you know, you choose to spend your money there, but you go into these places and I've been to so many of these places where I felt uncomfortable. I'm like doing one of these and I close off my, like, yeah, yeah. and I'm like people are like, oh, yeah. you're not going to spend money here. So they, they, they give you the look and then they mm -hmm. walk away. I'm like, yeah. So I think, yeah, there's, I think part of that is you kind of conforming to society, right? So it's like society has certain preconceived notions about certain things. Like, 
you know, you, do, you can buy this and this, this is your status. You can buy this, this is your status, and like it shouldn't be like that. And I think instead of being true to yourself, you're trying to be true to society and what someone else expects of you rather than what you expect of yourself. You know what I mean? When we look at that, but at mm. what point do people wake up from that? Mm-hmm. And this, uh, we go back to like the, the whole, I guess, us, the brainchild behind this podcast, the inaugural podcast, is challenging your stories. And, mm-hmm. you know, like when do these stories, when, do they, when don't they serve you anymore? And we look at this, and this is a clear-cut observation for uh, an instance where it doesn't serve us. Like, it's like, no, this is bullshit. Yeah, like, yeah. you're going into, you want to buy something. And, like, you know, when we buy things, you feel... You know, I'll get them to say it again. You feel a certain way, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the vehicles we drive, clothes we wear, our style, everything mm-hmm. is an identity that we're creating. Yeah. So when I go in there, I feel like my identity is being challenged or mm-hmm. my conceived notion of my identity is being challenged. I'm challenging it. Yeah. And I'm putting that in the hands of somebody else rather than it being accountable for it on my own. Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. And, uh, you know, I think, um, you know, I, I was reading this article. This is a while back where... We go finding happiness. We go finding um, self-identity instead of forging self-identity. So, like, your identity and your confidence and whatever else should be forged from your experiences, right? So instead of having that validated by somebody else at the store, you know what I mean? And it's, it's tough. Like I said, now it's tough because social media. You see everybody posting just, stuff. Yeah. You, uh, I'm happy. I travel to here. I travel to Italy. And, you know, you're at home like, oh, I'm not doing that. You know so what I mean? So on a deeper level, we look mm-hmm. at... Uh, you could boil it down to like relationships and satisfaction there and based on attention, right? Mm -hmm. So I look at it, if I post uh, a picture on the internet and I'm doing it because I'm in a bad place in a relationship and I don't feel my needs are being met, but I'm looking for attention. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't think that's necessarily bad, but it used to be much different. We didn't seek it out on the internet. Now we're fucking... It, it, it changes for this validation instead of something we create internally and going, you know what, I want to, I want to do something that's going to fortify my self-esteem and, you know, be esteemable. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to work towards maybe helping other people out or maybe I'm going to reach out to a friend mm-hmm. or whatever. Maybe I'm going to work out. Maybe I'm going to treat myself, self-care, self-love. Yeah. Yep. This is where that side of the spectrum is. And then we look at the other side of the spectrum. I'm posting shit for likes. And I'm posting shit on my stories, my Instagram, my Facebook. And guess what? The thing is with these posts and everything that we construct on this side of the spectrum, that becomes something that destroys our self-esteem because we are at the whim and I guess leisure of people that comment, right? People yeah. like and comment and mm-hmm. what you're leaving yourself open to it. Yeah. So, you know, I'm going to share a super personal story. Um, on Facebook Live with you. I don't think you know this part of my, maybe you know it, I don't know if you know it or not. Get into it, I like um, it. But I lost my dad when I was about 10 and a half, 11 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you knew that or not. No, we, we've talked about you this. Did, right? Yeah, so he actually got murdered uh, when I was 10 and a half, 11 years old. And it took me a long time to get over that. I think if I was growing up in this current climate and situation, I would be posting about stuff about lost loved ones on Facebook, looking for likes and looking for someone to just post up and be like, oh, that's going to make me happy. Like so, someone is responding. You know? So um, what I see is mm-hmm. I, I see that. And one, obviously, that, you know, we, we all go through this. Mm-hmm. Now we go through our journey, but it's different, right? Mm-hmm. When I see that, when I see people posting on social media for, unfortunately, the first thing I see is they're looking for attention. Mm-hmm. 
and then it's a negative aspect. So we're talking about the two spectrums there, like the mm -hmm. one, like the, the esteemable qualities, and then the other side where mm -hmm. it's just like, man, I can't differentiate and I need some sort of uh, acknowledgement, validation, mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. And I'll take it wherever I can get it because I don't understand the difference and because one is immediate. Mm -hmm. So when I see that, and I look at it, when I see some, somebody post, it's one of those things where I'm like, oh, looking for attention, or mm -hmm. you know, some people are like, oh, they're thirsty, right? Yeah. But the sad thing is that there's no feedback loop for a lot of these people, and mm -hmm. thankfully we grew up in a slightly different generation where we didn't have this outlet. Yeah. And I'm, I would, fuck, man, I, I don't even know if I grew up with social media, what yeah. what I what would be yeah. what? so uh, so I don't think it's necessarily a feedback loop, but I don't think there's a room for growth. And, I, and this, I'm going to explain to you what I mean. So, you know, after I lost my dad, it took me a while to get over uh, obviously something so devastating. And now I look back at that and I appreciate what I lost from that, from what I gained. Meaning that I appreciate like my mom and my brother that they're they're the they're my only family after I lost my dad, much much more. You know what I mean? And now when you're posting stuff on Facebook, it's just to feed that misery. Like, oh, I'm alone. And people are like, yeah, I get it. Or like they post something else where they're miserable too. And you don't actually grow from that experience. You, um, you're kind of like trapped, from that, trapped in that experience. You know what I mean? What I noticed was mm -hmm. in a lot of it, we look at social media and we look at relationships, breakups, and, and anything in between. When we look at that and you see people posting stuff, well, mm -hmm. so-and-so did this, did this, or, and it's their, their account of a relationship and their side of it, mm -hmm. but people will gravitate and provide all sorts of feedback and bash to, uh, I guess, reinforce that, yeah. or maybe based on some of their experiences. Because here's the thing, at the end of the day, everybody's been hurt. Mm -hmm. I've experienced loss, I've experienced heartbreak, that's and, weird. I haven't. I never, I'm so sorry. <laughs> you know, so we look at the, the whole wide spectrum, of everything like in, you know, what do we do? Yeah. So like I, said, I think so. That's how social media is negative. Right. So you kind of perpetuate that experience instead of trying to, like I said, use that to forge something different, to forge your like happening. Like, okay, what did what did I learn from that experience instead of instead of everyone like hitting a like or you know why something because similar? It's there's nobody going, hey, you asshole, like you're mm. you know what I mean you're reaching for attention or it's like um, you lost somebody. Why don't you deal with it and mm. then it's socialized? Yeah, yeah. You know, in social media, you're like, you could wake up in the morning and have anxiety, have all yeah. this fear, like whatever. Post something yeah. and then. You know, later in the day, you feel differently. Yeah. Well, so, I'll give you this example. It's so like for uh, you, know, you, mind, you don't mind me sharing this. Like you know, you've been through stuff, relationships, oh, right? Yeah, yeah. So instead of like um, maybe if you were madly in love, like always posting, like I lost somebody, you would focus on that. But you know, you, you gain much more than that. You have a daughter now, right? So that I'm sure is like one of the most happiest and like the best moments of your life now. And you sh that's what you should gain out of from that experience. Not that oh you lost whatever but you've gained something from that you know well and that's that's kind of like the um, i think is the the transition and progression through like going through a divorce and dealing with it so mm -hmm. i went through divorce um and you look at the ability like i understand that without my ex-wife i would not have my beautiful daughter so exactly. no matter what i've endured had to go through and, and really it's minimal because we have a living being that we care you know like mm -hmm. That whole process itself is amazing, but without without that, without my struggle, I think that made me one the person I am today. Mm -hmm. Two, maybe the father I am today. Three, I would not have my daughter without any of this. Yeah, yeah. So when we look at our stories, we look at I guess feelings that are attached to them, 
and we look at feelings that which really I don't know how long they last. I mean, I, it's hard to, you know, I, I from the initial if we look at an, um, it's an occurrence or a behavior or something mm -hmm. that happens to us, and then we look at our feelings after, and then we look at there's like a set time frame, probably 15 to 45 seconds a minute, where we actually develop a story afterward that keeps that feeling going. Yeah. So we look at anxiety and depression, and those two are two byproducts or stories in our head. Mm -hmm. When I look at this, and it's like. You know, if you just had the feedback of the instance, like, cool, yes, no, make a decision there and move forward, you're good. Mm -hmm. But we develop these stories and like, you know, the story is like you go through relationships, they, they fail they, or they succeed and you start to build everything and, and move off from it. Mm -hmm. You know, we look at, we talk about careers and career choices. We talk about all these things, but everything that we have is a byproduct of what we construct in our heads and our, our stories. Yeah, yeah. And that's a good example. It is. Someone else's story may also be a byproduct of your own head. I'll give you an example for something like that where, you know, I, so I'm a physician. I'm a pulmonologist. I work at Corlin Hospital. And I have staff. And they go, oh, you know, we, we wish you could have, we could have become a doctor. We could have wish we could have done this or a nurse. But we're not as smart as you. And I'm like, you know, you think it's smart has to do with it? Like, I just happened to, by chance, meet a bunch of friends that wanted to be doctors. When I started college, I had no idea I wanted to be a doctor. I don't think I was any smarter than anybody else in college. I just, at some point, made a decision like, okay, you know what? They're becoming doctors. I can do that too. You know what I mean? So that's, I think, a situation where instead of forming a story, you just, just follow through. Mm -hmm. So I, the, I think the running um, concept or mantra I've had is like, I've made it this far in life by not thinking Every time I've had a feeling, like, like the legitimate response feeling, and I've acted on it, mm -hmm. I've been successful. Like a true gut, hunch, feeling, whatever you want to call it, and I just fucking, I execute, follow through, take action, and run with it, I've been successful. Like uh -huh. every time. Yeah. Like, the, like it's, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a perfect you know, situation or instance where that's happened with you. You're like, you know what? You didn't doubt yourself. Because yeah. you, yeah. when we start getting in our head, we go, oh, I can't do this. Yeah. You know, that's going to be a lot of work. Well, what the fuck? What yeah. isn't work at the end of the day? Yeah, yeah. Like to me, work is going to a job that I hate. Mm -hmm. That's work. Yeah. Me going to school to get that end result. Like I loved yeah. a non-traditional student. I think I was doing yeah. had, had a 68 average, I think, in high school. So not understanding I had learning disabilities, all this stuff. I go to college. I just got angry that, you know, one, I was uh, I had to balance my social life mm -hmm. and study. But yeah. once I always showed up for the test to uh, test tested really well and I pushed forward but at the end of the day it was the degree the four-year degree the master's degree like all these things like they were an accomplishment in that next level I kind of like look back at video games it's like I just yeah. leveled up so now I have a different pay grade now I can do this what got me was the fact that I was locked into a position in teaching mm -hmm. you know I taught for 16 years that no matter what I did my pay grade would only go up three percent mm -hmm. I had a problem with that and I essentially I maxed out. I'm like, so what, I mean, I could, you know, I could have a, a satisfactory or, you know, crush teaching and do all this and have great feedback from, you know, the reports from the superintendent and, you know, the student's passing rate. At the end of the day, I only get compensated 3% yeah. more or the cost of living, really. It was, sometimes it was 2%. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking at this and that's what, like, the big shift and, and prompt to go, like, into mm -hmm. business and, you know, the business I had for myself but to really push into it. Mm -hmm. And we look at that, that was a story that I battled with. I'm like, well, I have this teaching job that I have make decent money. Yeah. But 
No, no. So I was gonna say, so I, I totally agree with you. I think people overthink certain things. Where like, oh, I, I can't do that. I, I, it, it's, it requires this, it requires that. Instead of just being like, you know what? Uh, why can't I do that? And just going with your gut. Like I said, I agree with you. I, I went with my gut. It's not like I went into college like knowing I was gonna be a doctor. I was like, my friends are doing it. Like, why can't I just do that? Right? And, 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 and part of it is as simple as that. Is literally just not having that little seed in your head. Like I cannot, you know. Well, what I mean? it's doubt, yeah. and it's doubt. Look, yeah, it's we look at it; it's always there. Mm-hmm. It, it's, and I think more so with this generation coming through. Like we look at social media, and you see all the shit. Like everything, it's funny because you look at social media; everything seems more a huge disconnect on what's attainable. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at lifestyles and how these, like how um, the music industry, how um, you know stars in Hollywood, how their their lives are. In our connection with them, in our fascination with them, look at the Kardashians and, and all this the bullshit TV that that people like like love. Mm-hmm. I, I fucking hate it. But people are like, well, this mansion, like, you know, do you have to have that to be happy? Yeah, yeah. No. You know, I agree with you. Like I told you, like I no, that's actually a very good point. You know, and um, you, you know, you can you can make the most amount of money in the world you can, and you can still go bankrupt. So it's really it's really about what's going to make you happy, right? And um, you're absolutely right. You can you can buy a ten million dollar mansion and not be happy. You can go broke. And um, well, what I see with them, it's not necessarily that they're broke financially. It's emotionally they're broke. Mm-hmm. Like they're they're hollow human beings that are living in Hollywood that have nothing. And mm-hmm. here's the thing, me and you look at them like fuck, man. I'm like that'd be cool. Like they have like that. They have Ferrari. They have like the Jags. <laughs> they they have this mansion. They have this huge pool. And what they do on a day to day basis seems so enticing. Yeah. Yeah. But you look at them and you could really, you can, anybody who's, who's been through some shit can gauge somebody else's emotional, uh, I guess, health mm-hmm. or IQ or whatever you want to call it. But like, mm-hmm. I, I know where somebody's at. I know if they're bullshitting. I know if they're, you know, yeah. unhappy. And you could see this through everybody on yeah. TV. So I think uh, that's a good point. I think you get like snapshots, snapshots of these athletes or celebrities and you're like, oh, that's like their life. That's not, that snapshot is like maybe 20 seconds of their life, right? Like from that day. And the rest of the day, what they're doing, you have no idea. They may be in their bedroom, no friends. They can't go out to like a bar. Like we can go out to a bar. We can finish this up and we can go to a bar and hang out. Maybe they can't because they're going to have 20 people swarming them and they don't want that. So, you know what I mean? So simple stuff like that, you're right, where sometimes it's not financial stuff. It's other other stuff like where are you getting your fulfillment? You know what I mean? So So we we look at this and I I think we – shit we hit stories across the board we look at stories that are, that are created and the stories we create about other people and ultimately like if we simplify it like why do we give a shit about the kardashians yeah. why do we give a shit about anybody but our family our friends the people that are around us mm-hmm. you know it's it's constructed by the entertainment industry i mean for pure entertainment and it's like mm-hmm. man it's like i don't know it's the nosy drama driven um, I, I guess attention-seeking behaviors are like, you know, it's like in your social group. It's like, what do people think? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, so and so did this. Like, oh yeah, and then the gossip. So it, yeah. well, what inter- the entertainment industry did is turn gossip into uh, they monetized gossip. Mm-hmm. So we're drawn to that, and then the the trickle-down effect is the fact that people in day-to-day lives are like, well, this is. Mm-hmm. This is how they're living, and this is so. Yeah. Kim's upset at, at Kanye, yeah. and like it's like, who gives a shit? Yeah. And then we look at all these stories and how they influence kids yeah. or us or anything like that. You're absolutely right, and I think that people try to emulate that in their own 
life, right? Like, I gotta make drama in my high school now because this is the same. This is this is what oh, this is what like the Kardashians did. Like, I should I should create dom I should create that same drama here. Like, that's what's cool. Like, that's what people this, do. This and also I think perpetuates the live for my image and not for my longevity mm-hmm, or my mm-hmm. legacy. Yeah. So I look at this in I. Anybody that has, has got a Walmart <laughs> anywhere near or in their hometown, you can see this when you go to people that have zero money, that are inve- they have the, the new cell phone, the new clothes, uh, oh, uh, yeah. and, and it's frustrating <clears throat> to watch, but instead of uh, investing in something that's that's actually productive or worthwhile, they're, you know, it's superficial shit. Yeah, you're, no, you're right, because you, you, know, you don't see that stuff on TV, right? Like investing in your health and this and that, like that you see like who's got the car, who's got this, so... I, I totally agree with you. Like the, the you, ha, you may have some overweight, unhealthy person who pulls out the new iPhone X X Max Double shuttle X. flies <laughs> to space. I don't know, you know. Um, but yeah, they're they're unhealthy and they don't look right, you know. Well, and they think that phone's gonna make them feel better. Oh, it's sad. The, the same people that will invest in a car payment that would won't pay for you know what I do, personal training, strength and conditioning. Like, oh, that's an expense. Like, mm-hmm. no, it's it's an investment. Your yeah. car is yeah. an expense. Yeah. I totally agree. I told uh, my wife when she's like, oh, you're getting a trainer. Like, it's going to be expensive. I said, look, Dish, um, you know, we, One, we, we you buy have, stuff. You have the best trainer on I do. the planet. I have the best. No, Aaron's amazing. This guy's great. Um, he's so good that I'm lifting more than him now. And I mean, I'm, I'm now teaching him stuff, Mc, right? So. McDreamy's, McDreamy's <laughs> killing it. But no, I told her. I said, listen, this is investing in my health. Like, I want to live till, not till 80. I want to live till like 60 and probably... But I want to be healthy till 50. I want to live I want to like be healthy. late 30s. If I hit late 30s, I'll, I'll be happy. Yeah. No, uh, but I totally agree. I, I was like, I forget everything else. Forget, I, I forget everything else. I've, I've seen stuff. And to me, my investment is my family, so you, my friends, you, and my health. When That's you say it. you've That's seen stuff, mm-hmm. seeing people come in, at, I'm, I'm guessing at times, probably at the brink of death. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, so, that, that's got to be a wake-up call. Mm-hmm. So that's a good point. So I think that partly shapes my, my view on stuff is... Uh, being a pulmonologist, I also work in the ICU. Um, I see people that are the sickest in the hospital. They're on ventilators. They're on medications to keep them alive. And when I see stuff like that, I, you know, I, I turn around and go, you know what? I don't need the big house. I don't need the new shirt, the new this. Like, I just want my health. Like, you know what I mean? And some of these people are young. They're in their 50s and on the verge of death, right? So, yeah. Well, it's crazy, but we look at short-term versus long-term. Mm-hmm. The ability to, like, say, you know, it's funny, the iPhone um, the the car, the shoes, like now this is this all. While you're talking, I'm gonna show something. Go ahead. You can talk. It all fits into, I guess, the scheme of things for your life. This. this is my phone. It's all busted. It's broken. Samsung Galaxy Sam- S7. Samsung. It's so, like three years old. Whatever. Typically, whatever. On on social media feeds, you'll see that as, uh, what is it? A uh, uh, Man, what's the I have word? stock in Samsung, please. No. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think they call it a, what do they call it a peasant, the peasant people like oh the peasant, peasant Samsung because when you get that now I had a Samsung forever <laughs> we were fucking no. sidetracking but I had the Samsung forever and people were like oh you don't like you text somebody with an iPhone they're like oh <laughs> yes. fuck you you yeah. Samsung like <laughs> so seeing that so when I text Jan I'm like fucking peasant. <laughs> No, but it's funny how you see that. And we look at people, mm-hmm. anybody that has money that, that I've come across of my whole life does not spend it frivolously. Like, yeah. you, you know, oh, yeah. like, you know, uh, most the most unassuming people have you know, mm-hmm. I, millionaires like, yeah. you know, like just they don't want to draw attention to it. Mm-hmm. In a, we look at a story with money, right? Yeah. Comfort with money or relationship with money. Yeah. 
I struggled, and I still do, like, as far as, you know, what I deem I'm worth monetarily mm-hmm. and your ability to manage and track it. Like, my early 20s, like, it was like, cool, got some money, <laughs> yeah. you know, go on vacation, do this stuff. So now it's, it's much different, but, like, you look at that and you look at so many people on the scale, economic scale, like, lower, they just piss it away. Yeah, so I think the, that's, good. that's a very good point. So I think part of the issue with that is like when you don't have money you're like you know what if i just made more and i got that car like i would be so much happier if i got that house that was like whatever i'll be so much happier but the, the, the reason why it's flipped when you make money is that when you have those things you go i deal with the same life to life problems i gotta pay my utility bills i gotta pay this i gotta pay this right so you realize that doesn't actually bring anything to you and at the end of the day i gotta do what you gotta do i gotta take i will play you know, devil's advocate here. okay go so ahead. I'm, okay. when you hop in the range rover <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i don't have a range rover by the way i have a bicycle i go to, yeah, yeah, to yeah. work on a bicycle but <laughs> you know i've talked about this and mm-hmm. I, one of my, my uh my best friends um he when he got an escalade mm-hmm. he in the, the town we lived it like people were like shitting on him it's like oh you have an escalade so your money bags da 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 and he's like, you know what? I bought that because I've always wanted one. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, like it's not necessarily like it's people assumed he was flaunting it. Like you could probably, yeah. again, the story based on that is like, oh, well, they're flaunting money. No, mm-hmm. you know, I, I want yeah. to fucking buy this vehicle forever. Yeah. I like yeah. the way it looks. I'm into the, the vehicles, trucks, whatever. But like. It's a very good point. So like I bought mine and I, this, is a, this is honestly a true story. I bought mine because I, I've always wanted one. Like I, I admired them as I was growing up. And I wanted it, and I got so much attention from it when I first bought it. I almost wanted to sell it off. I said, "I don't want that attention. I don't want people saying, oh, you, you're the one who got the Range Rover.' Like, I, Great, I almost sold it off." What the fuck does that have to do with anything? It so, at the end yeah, of the day, yeah. what? So, I've been. I grew up. <sighs> uh, I love you know muscle cars in in classic vehicles, right? Mm-hmm. And part of that is like, well, it's it's a waste of money. No, it's not a waste of money because it's something I want. Yeah. And when people look at that, like, there's purchasing something like that looking into it you see that like the there's almost a negative connotation to it like it's like oh man well if i have this i'm gonna get all this negative attention people mm-hmm. are like must be nice <laughs> well guess what did you not go to college and <laughs> yeah. did you not work for this like yeah. people forget the the must be nice people forget work related to results yeah you know you're absolutely right so like i have uh staff that were there no, I don't want to say so. I have. I just have people that I know. Where they're like, "Oh, it's nice to have a Range Rover." I'm like, "It is all. It is nice." But you know what wasn't nice when I went from college at 17 and didn't, didn't finish like schooling until I was 32, 33. That wasn't nice. I don't hear you talking about that. And did you and have, a, put did 80 you have hours, a vehicle? No, I. Uh, my only vehicle, by the way, in training was my wife's car, who she got from her sister. Right, I had well, no vehicle. I used to, I used to take. I used nobody to take, knows this. Nobody knows this. I used to take rides from friends to be able to get to work when I was at a different hospital. Uh, nobody knows that story. No one was there saying, "Oh, how nice it is! You have to bum rides from your friends to go to work." I didn't hear that ever. <laughs> you know no. what I mean? No. But you look at it, but again, that's a story. Again, the the concept of having stories is it goes across the board, but like that's a story nobody hears. Yeah, yeah. And it's off. It's the stories that nobody hears are the ones that at the end of the day are probably the ones that are the most meaningful. Meaning that story, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. your your why yeah. because you got that vehicle. One, because mm-hmm. you fucking wanted it. Mm-hmm. Two, because you worked for it. Yeah. Three, because guess what? Yeah. You you were dedicated to this goal, this end result that you wanted so bad mm-hmm. that you sacrificed having <clears throat> a vehicle. I did. A, a vehicle at all. Mm-hmm. So you, you like put yourself... At the mercy of others for rides, yeah. or probably had a cab at Uber. I don't know if Uber's around, yeah. whatever. 
but the dedication Uber no at that time Uber wasn't around it came out like a couple years later yeah yeah but I mean yeah. the, the ability for him for you to actually sacrifice that so I will tell you part of that is my wife too like I've got to shout out to Disha um she was the one don't get a car don't get a car and she was right like I you're right I could could I have paid like three four grand for something super cheap and done it I could have and I was like you know what I'll just save the money I'll try to pay my loans down and I'll I'll keep grinding I'll keep grinding and I'll get that at some point later when the time is right you think about the people that have those three or four thousand dollar cars that are embarrassed as fuck to drive them around because it's serving a purpose. Like, mm-hmm. fuck that. Like, yeah. I, our society is so skewed in the fact that people are like, oh, you see them roll up in a, like in, in the beater. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we used to call it the hoopty. <laughs> oh, um, the hoopty. Yeah. Yeah. That's a Cali term, man. <laughs> so, but you roll up in that, but like, people are like, oh, well, they don't drive this. I'm like, oh, guess what? No payment. I'm in college. Oh. I'm doing this, this, and this. I'm, yeah. I'm focused. Yeah. It's the people, I think, that lose that focus at some point and they're like, they, they're like, no, can't do this anymore. I need this. Yeah. You know, and like that's, I feel like you trade focus for like temporary happiness. Yeah, temporary ha- temporary material stuff, temporary happiness because he's somebody else doing it. I totally agree. You know what I mean? And you're absolutely right. I mean, the, the, the person who has more wealth is a guy who bought the $3,000 car than the guy who took out a loan and bought a Beamer, right? <laughs> they so, can't pay it off. They and they can't pay it off, yeah. And then repoed in a year. Yeah. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right, man. So it, it, it's funny. We look, you know, kind of like tying it all together. Stories and how they impact us, our lives. And I, it, we're two different versions or, I guess, you know, end results. Or I can't say end results because it's a continued process. But when we look at it, and I look at if I continue to operate on the same story that I had before, you know, the one that I had when I was in high school, the one I had when I was in college, you don't operate the same way when you were in med school as you do now, right? No, you're absolutely right. I don't. Yeah. So when we look at stories, stories serve a purpose for a certain amount of time. Um, and that's, that's assuming that's a positive story that there's no disconnects and it's not a limiting story. When we get into limiting stories, they serve zero purpose. So I think you're a product of fucking annihilating those negative stories and the stories that serve zero purpose. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason my struggle, the reason why I got here today is because I've, I've troubleshooted that. And, and I think that's what puts me in a position now where I'm coaching, you know, working with men, mm-hmm. coaching strength and conditioning, coaching athletes, because I know what fucking works. Um, either whether it's trial and error or, or whatever you, each way you, or any way you want to look at it. But at the end of the day, I think we have to legitimately reflect and see if our stories are serving us. Yeah, that's absolutely true. So I guess we will leave you on that. Pound it out. The Iron Mind Aaron Podcast, episode one. Thank you guys for tuning in. This podcast is produced by Dom Z Productions and broadcast live to Facebook. I've been drinking on driving while texting the speed and I swear that I ain't going home. You hold my phone and won't leave me alone. I'm blank, Siva, blank, Coca Patron. I'm on Coca Patron, Coca Patron. Call him a charm.